Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and this is your Marvel Unlimited Monday for technically last week. This is a makeup episode, and so this is a uh, Marvel Unlimited comics that came out on the app on Monday, uh, September 16th. And there are actually some really good ones that came out this week, so let's dive right into it. Um, For some reason on the app, they were not sorted in alphabetical order. And I don't know why, but the first issue that I'll talk about is the Star Wars Age of the Republic General Grievous. And this is by Jody Hauser and art by Luke Ross with colors by Java or Hava Tartaglia and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is a quick story about General Grievous. And as I said, with these Age of the Republic, Age of the Resistance sort of things, uh, they're hit and miss. And this was a hit. I, I enjoyed this issue specifically because I'm a huge fan of General Grievous. And the one thing I had always wondered, and for some reason I could never figure it out, was is he a robot? Is he a droid? Or is he like a regular guy? And I think someone had told me that he was a cyborg, but the, I just saw no evidence of that. Like, And not because I wasn't like looking for it, it's just in the movies and whatnot. I never, I was like, why is he coughing all the time? And so in this series, in this episode or issue, we, we kind of figured that out. So the, the issue is very, uh, very not bland, but, uh, there's not much about it. It's just about how badass general Grievous is. So you get some really great splash pages of him with all four of his lightsabers and lightsabers spinning and whirring and him killing Jedi, uh, very exciting stuff. But by the end of it, he's going into this Jedi temple, that uh, he's just kind of super pissed, it seems, but he he's skipping through all these traps. It's it's almost like an Indiana Jones type situation where there's uh, there's like a giant metal uh, cylinder that rolls along the floor with a bunch of spikes and another one that's a ball, and he's just dodging them all, slicing them with his things. And at the very end, he gets to this waterfall that kind of has a um, like a Jedi aura to it. And so he sticks his hand in this waterfall and he's like, I can feel it. And then he does he pulls his hand out and doesn't see anything. He says, must have been a sensor error. And then he puts his hand in again and he's like, I feel nothing. There's more Jedi trickery. And he jumps in there and goes into this kind of trance sort of state where it's almost like a nightmare. And he's being taken apart. So his his two extra arms come off. And then his mask comes off. And so this is where I was like, oh, cool. So you get to see what General Grievous looked like before he became a droid. And so this confirms it, that he's just a cyborg. And so what happens is, he says it here, I've improved myself far stronger than this mere flesh. So he's basically just been improving himself to try and be better. And the whole message in this issue is, yeah, you may be super powerful. You may have four lightsabers, but you're not a Jedi. You're not even a Sith. Like you're just, you're a, you're some person who just wants to be better. And so in his anger, he just has the entire planet blown up or not the entire planet, but he has the, like the whole Jedi temple blown up. And he says, for all your talk of power, you burn just as easily. And that's the end. So it was it was nothing crazy. Like I said, nothing earth shattering. But if you're a General Grievous fan, it was a cool issue. And I, I enjoyed it. It was a quick read and it was a fun read. Uh, the next one is the next X-Men, Age of X-Men one called Apocalypse and the Extracts. And I enjoyed this one too. So it is confirmed now. We have read all of them. And the only series that I am not really into is that, uh, is it the Extremists issue? Um, or the the extractors oh no the extremists so uh, if you guys remember now it's a apocalypse in the extracts 
The Marvelous X-Men, Next Gen, Prisoner X, The Amazing Nightcrawler, and Extremis. So in terms of there being six different ones and only one of them is not that great, that's a pretty big percentage, especially if you're looking for some new X-Men content. So this story is about Apocalypse and the Extracts. And so what they are is it's this alternate reality. And so if you remember, the X-Men have kind of created this reality of no one is is uh, should be together. Everyone should be completely aut- atomic, no relationships, all that stuff. And so uh, Apocalypse is essentially like a 1960s uh, hippie. And him and his little group of Extracts, which includes Dazzler, who is a... She's a musician at a nightclub. There's a bunch of people when she's playing who are snapping their fingers. So just like a 1960s sort of thing. There's a couple of other characters. It looks like Kitty Pride, along with uh, some guy named like Bug Eye or Big Eye who's got a bunch of eyes on his face. And then, and we're getting towards it a little more, but uh, two other characters who actually I'm not too familiar with. Um, but one of them, she has the power of, it looks like hallucinations. And... He essentially Apocalypse is planning on revealing themselves to the world to announce that they are um, that basically to profess love. Oh, and then the other character is Apocalypse's son who from the like uncanny X-Men run, that sort of stuff. And so it's it's just it was really cool. So he he's trying to spread the word of love to be loved just like in the 60s, like peace and love. And so it's really funny because in this, in this, Apocalypse should be the bad guy, but he's the good guy and he's trying to save everybody essentially. And so the, the plan is that they're going to do some like big announcement, kind of like an MLK, Martin Luther King sort of thing on the, the steps of whatever. And by the end of this though, they're also talking about there's a guy, he says there's a communist in Russia that they're trying to recruit or something. And it turns out to be Omega Red. And we don't know if he's a good, he looks like he's a bad guy. So I was kind of curious as to, you know, why they're picking him to be a part of it. But I'm just going to tag this on with the Marvelous X-Men because Marvelous X-Men issue number two came out as well. And it ties directly into the Apocalypse and the Extracts because this one starts immediately with Apocalypse giving his speech. So he gives this speech about... He says, as a society, we've already accepted that all mutations are beautiful, but we say they are more. All mutations are beloved. And then people like lose their mind. He kisses his son on the forehead and everyone's like, oh my gosh, did he just kiss his son? Like, cause at this point the world is like, there's no touching, no love. And uh, the X-Men are just sitting there watching him. Like we should stop this. And uh, even who is it X man? He's like, no, nah, there's, you know, there's nothing we can do. He's just talking sort of thing, but, uh, things obviously escalate. And so this is a, both of these issues. It's a really cool examination of a world where maybe the X-Men were the bad guys, or it, it's just, it's a cool alternate reality. And I, I kept thinking, and I, I've been saying this, but I'm just so happy to be reading this and reading the powers and house of X at the same time, because they're two completely different stories, but they both feel really powerful. And they both are dealing with two different things. We've got a story, uh, the powers and house dealing with how to make the X-Men cool again, how to make them the premier, whatever, ultimate badass, whatever you want to call it. But then you have this other story here, which is a, what if the X-Men warped reality into their image because of somebody feeling that this is the right way to do it in this case, X-Men 
and uh, it makes the X-Men bad. They're the bad guys. What do you, what is it? How does that kind of world look? And so instead of it being super lazy and being a one shot where, oh, this is what happened and things go back to normal, we get the benefit of having six different five issue miniseries going through this. So to me, that always was the coolest thing in the world if, say, um, like a guy gets, if, for example, a comic book movie where a character gets caught in an alternate reality and maybe they do five minutes in the movie of him being in there and then all of a sudden, oh, he escaped. Awesome. Whereas, in, and he comes back and they're like, oh, you got out? And he's like, I was in there for 20 years. And they're like, what? Like Ant-Man saying that he was in the quantum realm for five, uh, for five hours, but at five years had passed sort of thing, but they don't really show it. But this is an opportunity for them to show it where they're gone and you've got the the Matthew Rosenberg uncanny X-Men run going on where dealing with the present day in the present reality X-Men. But then at the same time, you've got all these series going through this alternate reality that, again, could have just been maybe three issues in the uncanny X-Men run. But they're really going all out on this. And I really kudos to Marvel. I and I, I said this a while back, but I thought this was a cash grab at the time. And it isn't. It really isn't. It is a great look at an alternate reality of what happens when, essentially what happens when the government doesn't want you to say your truth or to say your piece. And the best part about this issue too is Colossus is the one fighting. Like he's the the ultimate one. Like X-Man, Jean Grey, they're like, well, you know, we can't really do anything. They're just speaking their mind. Like we got to let them do it. And Cyclops is like, no, or Colossus is like, no, we can't. We need to stop them or things are going to get worse. But then we find out he's just so frustrated because he know because he was in love with Kitty Pride in the comics. But in here, he doesn't know that. But he says, he's like, he says she was beautiful. Her long auburn hair, her brown eyes pushing away the darkness. Why can I not stop thinking about her? Like he doesn't know who she is, but he's, he's, he feels that pull with magneto he magneto goes into this whole thing it just i am really impressed with this series and i'm things are going because again we that's i think what's most exciting about this run and why i would recommend you guys jumping onto this is if you're reading the current house and powers of x or powers of 10 house of x if you're reading that you know that's completely revamping the status quo it's changing everything nothing is going to be the same after this and that's a that's not even an understatement it's probably an uh no, that's not even an overstate. It's an understatement because we don't even know what it's going to be doing years from now, but Hickman is hooked on this thing. So whatever is happening right now in these Age of X-Men series, in the Uncanny X-Men series, all of it is ending. It's going to have an end. It has to. That's what they, they designed this for is that this was an opportunity for Matthew Rosenberg and company to create a story that they were able to tell whatever they wanted, kill whoever they wanted, change whatever they wanted, because Hickman comes in and wipes the slate clean. So knowing that buildup of all my all these stories are going to be coming to a head soon and something big is going to happen it has to that's it's been building in all five all six of these series that something big is going to happen in this alternate reality and i have no idea what it is other than most likely it's going to be the good guys prevail and get them out of there but it's the how it's the how are they going to do it so i'm really hoping that they pull it off and uh and do it but well you know we'll see we'll see so that's a and i just did the two back to back but yeah i would really jump on those and in the vein of x-men we're getting the x the uncanny x-men winter's end one shot this is a love letter from sina grace who is uh, along with nathan stockman on art frederico blee on colors and vc's joe sabino and letters 
Sign of Grace did two really amazing Iceman runs recently, uh, where dealing with Iceman's sexuality because he came out as gay in the all-new X-Men series and kind of dealing with that as an adult. And he has really done a good job of doing that. But as we've seen now, and as you can probably see online, I think Sina has not made it a secret that Marvel did not want him. because Not necessarily didn't want him doing this, but it sounds like they kind of put him on the wayside. Like, these books aren't selling a lot. We're not going to do it. So they gave him one final one-shot. And so this is essentially just one last story with X-Men, or with, uh, with Bobby, Bobby Drake, with Iceman. And it's a pretty good one. It started out really weird. I was like, okay, what, well, like... What is this story about? Iceman from the future comes telling him that he's ruined the future and he needs to fix his present. But at the end of the day, we, we he kind of just says, I'm, and this is probably the best part. So you, you get to the point where he's uh, talking with, I think he's talking with Gene. Yeah, he's talking with, uh, this was actually really cool. He, Gene Gray, he says, uh, always back from the dead, always forgiven. And she says, what the hell is going on here, Bobby? What's he talking about? And he says, you know what you did. And then Bobby's like, stop, and like stops his future self and Jean Grey from fighting. He says, she's been dead forever and has no idea what you're raving about, but I do. And I'll be damned if some other version of me is gonna get to say this to you. And so this whole part I thought was just so cool. She's like, I'm afraid I know where this is going. He says, Jean, time displaced you with the young version of gene did a very bad thing i thought i could let it go but because this guy brought it up and he says i'll stay out of it he says when the time displaced x-men were here teen gene outed me when we and then she says when we returned our younger selves to that time their memories became ours i remember he says that wasn't okay it needed to happen but it didn't happen on my terms you took my power of choice away i wasn't ready she says, Bobby, I'm sorry. He says, it's muddy water under the bridge at this point. But I feel like I've always been dealing with this. For, he says, I've been dealing with this for the past few months. The other X-Men absorb these memories of a crazy time-traveling spring break. But in my spring break, I get to come out of the closet in my teens, fall in love with a beautiful boy, and then willfully sacrifice it all to save the time stream. Which brings me right back to you, to the other guy. Coming here and also telling me what to do with my life? So your faith got shaken and you messed up and you let the bad guy win once. Why aren't you in your timeline trying to trying everything to stop him? This one over here tries to eat our solar system and we shrug it off as her claiming her femininity. He's talking to Jean now, so that must be her as the phoenix. Her boyfriend gets catfished by a frickin' goblin queen clone of her and still puts a ring on it. She says, I, inaccurate, but I'm still li I'm listening. That husband then mind cheats on her, sets off years of chaos with our sworn enemy as his new boo, and I forgive everyone involved. Everybody gets forgiven. Everybody but me. Even this future me can't forgive himself. I'm done with the self-hating, Irish Catholic, guilt-tripping, inner turmoil melodrama. I never want the timeline you laid out to happen, ever. But even if I do somehow make your mistakes, just let me live my damn life. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Like, when's the last time you got to see uh, Iceman stand up for himself? And he's he's not wrong. I mean, 
all these other X-Men, and especially Jean Grey. Look at Jean Child going, Child, Love love Triangle going on with uh, with uh, Cyclops, with Wolverine. Cyclops cheats on her with uh, with Emma Frost, and then the whole Madeline Pryor situation. All this stuff, and it's it's like everyone seems to forgive everybody, but for some reason, Iceman's always getting the short end of the stick. So that part redeemed this issue for me. And, and again, it was a little long. The whole story was a little long, but it was a good send-off for Iceman. And in that sense, I enjoyed it. Um, this week as well, Magnificent Miss Marvel, issue number one. I've read this already, like I, I'd said in a prior thing. I've read the one through six. All I'll say is jump on this. Jump on it now. It's the number one. It's a number one, and it's a new creative team of Salad and Ahmed and uh, what is it, Miko, or it's Mariko Tamaki, I think. And uh, I'll get it here in a second. Minkyu Jung. And uh, it's good. It's a it's a really good. It's like I said. It's that story about them going to an alien world where they think that Kamala is is her savior or their savior. So jump on this one while it's going and uh, enjoy it as much as I did. Next up, a really good issue of Old Man Quill. This is issue number three. I loved the last issue. This one. I don't think got to the heights of the last one, but it's it, it's close. So it's written by Ethan Sachs, art by Robert Gill, colors by Andres Massa, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And we get to the point where they beat all those bad guys in the last issue, and now uh, Gladiator and his group of the Universal Church of Truth is is alive and well, and they're coming and they're just killing everybody, basically, because they don't care. It's, it's an old earth at this point. So they just get there and they start killing people. But everyone in this town of Pastepot Creek uh, thinks the Guardians are heroes because they saved them, and they should. But so they're drinking, having fun, and a uh, the Wrecking Crew... Oh, no, this isn't the Wrecking Crew. It's the Ghost Riders. But they work for Doctor Doom. It's a bunch of different people just with chains and, and skulls on their faces. They're like, ah, you know, you beat the Wrecking Crew. Why don't you try us for a chance? And he beats up them, too. And then they're like, ah, you know, he says, come back with everyone that you want. Like, we'll beat them too. And eventually they do come back with everyone that they want. But what was cool in this issue was the bar owner, uh, in thanks to Peter Quill, gives him one of the pistols from the two-gun kid. And that was cool because he doesn't really, he sort of has a gun, but it's cool that he's in the Old West and he kind of is a gunslinger in space. And so now he's a gun. Like, it's this is a very, if you're a fan of Westerns, this series is really shaping up to be a Western. We get a, the Guardians are all hanging around a campfire in the wasteland. But then, obviously, all the Ghost Riders show up to try and chase them down. And the issue ends with, uh, they all kind of get captured and taken to a stadium to fight. And it ends up being that they, they are going to fight Fing Fang Foom. And if he says, if that's the case, we're kind of screwed. And that's the last, the last, um, little panel there. And it says next issue, the guardians are kind of screwed. So it wasn't the same sort of insanity from that second issue where they killed all of those bad guys just so violently, but it was still good. I'm really enjoying this series. I enjoyed old man, Logan and old man Hawkeye. So this is in that same vein and it is just as good. Uh, next up winter soldier issue number four. And uh, this was a quieter issue, and at this point, I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of seeing where this is going, and it's its dovetailing into something I'm not really interested in. So it's written by Kyle Higgins, art by Rod Reese, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and cover by Rod Reese. 
But as we know, it says, um, and he this got the little journal background, but he says, recently I've taken a kid named RJ under my wing. Hydra modeled him after me, but they lost his trust after his mentor betrayed him. I've been trying to show RJ how to turn his life around like I've been fighting to do with mine. Just when I thought I was breaking through, someone from RJ's past arrived to further complicate things. So um, I thought that it would be a little different but it's turning into the step parent or the long lost parent who shows up out of the blue wanting to be back in their life, but has other motives. And I, and it's just a bummer. So essentially it was RJ's dad. And so RJ and him, they're at dinner and he's like, Hey, you know, like I, I want to be in your life, yada, yada, yada. And RJ's really hurting. He's like, I really want it too. And so they leave and some mobsters come up and they're basically saying that his dad owes them money, like 50 grand or something like that. And uh, him, he like beats the crap out of some of them, RJ does. And then the Winter Soldier shows up and does the same. And he's like, well, maybe we can get him. Because what the whole story though is that Bucky in, um, not necessarily reconciliation, but he's trying to right wrongs the Eva's past. And so what he's doing right now is he's helping criminals and other people start fresh so he's giving people a chance at a new life and so rj says well can you do that for my dad and he's like well maybe i will so he goes to the mobsters pays them off says you're like you're done and they're like good luck because like he's gonna get it from somebody else if that's not the case and immediately that he gets him in a new a new apartment they have a new life and his dad immediately is like hey i've got a new game he says i found a an old friend with a great job opportunity and he's like, you gave somebody your number? Bucky said not to. He's like, ah, it's fine. Bucky's just paranoid. I've known this guy forever. I can trust him. And besides, it's a heck of a gig. And so it's like, oh, man, we got it like, come on. And so he finds out, or Sharon Carter comes up to Bucky in a, in a separate thing. She's like, you need to see this. And basically, that's what this guy is. He's like a con artist. And yeah, he's the kid's dad. Well, we don't know he's the kid's dad. And at this point, I don't think he is the kid's dad because they're eating. And this part was really kind of sad. And I was like, I saw it coming. But he goes, he goes, he's like, I have to ask you a question. He's like, oh, never mind. He's like, no, 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 you can ask me a question. He says, you said you were arrested when I was one. How could you look at some shaky footage on the news and recognize someone you've never actually seen before? And he says, there's something I need to show you. He says, your mom, she sent this to me just before she, well, before she passed. I've been looking at it for every day for the last 10 years. And it's a photo of him as a kid. And so I was like, that's really sweet. But then when they're saying he's a con man and all this, I'm wondering if like he was in jail and somebody else was his dad in jail and he took that guy's photo and memorized it or whatever so he can try and do it. But at the end, okay, and I won't spoil this, but so the very end of it, Bucky confronts the dad just by himself and something crazy happens. And now there's only one issue left. It's a mini series. So there's only one issue left. So I'll take that back. I, it started with me going, okay, this is, you know, a by the books numbers sort of disappointment thing. But when this issue ended, nope, I think it's, I, I am very interested to see how this series ends up because what happens on this last page is pretty intense. And I was not expecting that at all. So next up, Dead Man Logan, issue number five of 12 of this uh, maxi series this one if you remember logan and and company including mysterio are breaking into the neo hydra secret base 
Mysterio along with them, and they're basically just fighting all the Hydra agents, and we get to see some great work by Mysterio betraying the bad guys and betraying everybody, essentially. And this is this was, as much as this is a Wolverine story, in my opinion, this was a Mysterio issue. So spoilers ahead, but um, Mysterio tricks some of the Hydra agents into shooting crossbones uh, because he makes them think that he's Logan. And then at the end of it, Logan kills Mysterio. Like, he's like, Logan, no, and, like, stabs him right in the face. And, of course, Mysterio just made Logan kill a Hydra agent. And so, at the end of this issue, Mysterio just escapes and disappears and goes right back to the psychiatric hospital. Says, home sweet home, and sits down on his chair and he says, never gonna leave this place again. So, I thought that was awesome because I think Logan sort of got his closure. He kills him. And they're like, we're just gonna leave Mysterio's body? He says, yeah, he doesn't deserve a burial. Let someone else deal with him. So... In a sense, Mysterio kind of helped Wolverine by giving him that cathartic uh, death of getting to kill the person that he's been trying to kill for so long. So now they're like, Logan, you're essentially, you're almost dead. And he says, no, I know. I just, I have a couple more people I need to say goodbye to first. So the fight was cool. Check that issue out. And and if you haven't jumped on that, we're five issues in. So it's going to be a great read if, if you're late to the party. And speaking of being late to the party, Avengers No Road Home issue five as well. If you haven't jumped on this, hop in because this one's really good by, uh, oh, and guys, guys, I apologize. That's my first, that's my first blunder of the podcast is uh, I did not call out who did Dead Man Logan. I was so excited to go through and tell you the story about it, but it is written by Ed Brisson with art by Mike Henderson, color art by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VC's Corey Petit. And now moving back into Avengers, we've got Jim Zub, Mark Wade, now Ewing doing the writing, Sean Azaxi in art, and then color art by Marcio Menez and uh, Eric Arciniega with letters by VC's Corey Petit. So uh, Nix, the bad guy, she's got a couple of her shards of darkness and uh, the heroes are kind of powerless to stop her at this point. And so this issue follows Scarlet Witch. And I always love a good Scarlet Witch story. And so she is good. She tag teams with Spectrum in this issue to deliver some cool fights. But again, the standout, if you guys were ever wondering, is Immortal Hulk. He kicks absolute ass in this issue and uh, has a really great scene towards the end. But we get, yeah, he's like, he's chasing this guy on a horse with a giant sword. It's crazy. But we actually get to see by the end of it, the heroes fighting back. And uh, without spoil, this is not a spoiler because Marvel heavily was advertising this. But they get one of the shards and uh, Voyager um, kind of transports Scarlet Witch away so that Nyx can't get her and sends her to Samaria. So the last few panels is basically Conan is now going to be a part of this Avengers thing. So it's kind of a quick reveal. Like I said, not a lot happens. This is just a fight heavy issue. So there's not really much more than this fight, but uh, to see that Conan's going to be in this and uh, is gonna, he's in the cover of the next issue. So buckle up, buckle up. I'm so happy to see how he deals with being with the Avengers. This, if you guys aren't aware, this is his technically first appearance in the Marvel universe and or even first appearance with a Marvel character as far as I know because he's just been doing his uh, his series is on the side so this next issue where he interacts with the Avengers is going to be a big deal because no one's ever really getting to see how he sorry. how he interacts with the Avengers sorry I just activated my phone by saying sorry too many times 
but then we got another here's one I, I read it but i'm not even a fan of it i'm only a fan of the last panel tony stark iron man issue number nine this is by dan slot with uh and jim jim zub with art by valerio sheedy and paolo vianella vianelli color art by edgar delgado with vcs joe caramagna on um on letters i just i'm not a i've, I've realized i'm not a fan of this series and it's nothing against the series the art's good but it's just it's been a little too much it's really hard for me to follow i don't know why but by the end of it and, I, and i'm not I'll, I'll spoilers for what happens at the end i know they kind of briefly talked about it and are really marketing this for um tony stark in the future but essentially they say that he's not real that he's uh it says there is no biological trace of the original tony stark left not anymore. That man is gone. If you guys remember in Civil War II, Tony Stark went into a coma and he basically moved his consciousness into a new body or something like that is kind of how they said it. And so they're getting to this, a, a really interesting conversation of him saying, he, and that's really the end of it. He's like, I'm not real. And uh, he's technically not real. So I think we're going to get into a cool conversation as these issues go on about what is real. If you, and it's the same conversation that you can have in the house and powers issues, which, um, actually I'm not going to spoil house and powers on this. This is not to discuss it, but the fact of if you have a soul or if you have your mind and you can make a copy of your mind and put that into another body, is that still you? Or is that not you? I would argue that it doesn't matter. And I, I think it's an argument that it's more semantics based or people who are, are more fearful. Like I, in my opinion, if you are the exact same person and you're just in a different body or, or in this case, an identical body, then there's no difference. You're still you. And uh, as long as you believe that, that's all that really matters. But uh, he seems to be really freaking out about this by the end of this series, this issue. So I'm curious to see where that leads because that's a really interesting conversation to have. And Tony Stark is the perfect person to have that conversation with because he is so future-oriented and technology-based. And uh, yeah, so beyond that, I just I wasn't I wasn't a huge I don't know I've just not really been a huge fan of the Iron Man series. And to tell you the truth, this X-23 series as well, we're on issue 10. I haven't really been a fan of this one either. So written by Mariko Tamaki, pencils by Diego Orlutegui, Orlortegui, inks by Walden Wong, colors by Chris O'Halloran. The art's good. I enjoyed the art, but the story is just, it's the same story. They're fighting a bunch of robot clones of themselves. And that character, the girl... She can't even speak the one that they created, another clone that they created, but she essentially sacrifices himself herself to save the girls. And I don't really know what the meaning of this is, but spoilers at the end of this issue, we see honey badger kind of writing down scout, the name scout. So I'm wondering if she's going to call herself scout now, because it even shows that she's got, uh, she has, uh, some brass knuckles that say honey badger on them so i don't know if she's going to change her name from scout to honey badger but it says next dear gabby as the next issue so i'm not going to stop reading this it's just in terms of the great issues that i've been reading this series has not really piqued my interest that much and the only reason i read it is because i love x23 and gabby so much and then the final issue that i read but i'm not going to review on this because i'm going to be doing a separate uh, uh discussion on it is the Amazing Spider-Man 17, which is the beginning of the hunted storyline. Now, I told you guys 
that I bought all of the hunted issues for the variant covers and I hadn't read them. I was going to wait to read them all until I was done. And I said, well, maybe I'll just review them as I'm doing them on Marvel Unlimited. And I, I want to test out something where I discuss a full series in one podcast. So I'm actually going to have a separate podcast episode that is just going to be about the amazing Spider-Man hunted storyline, which is issue 17 through 21. And uh, I'll tell you this much, I read them all back to back on the plane ride home and it was really, really, really good. So I'm really excited to talk about that. But yeah, those are all the comics that I read and and will be reviewing. There were some others that came out this week, including um, some weird synchrony uh, Avengers save. It's essentially a um, connecting issue to some synchrony company. Marvel's Annotated issue two, Wolverine the Long Night Adaption issue three, X-Force, Issue 4, Star Wars, Han Solo, Imperial Cadet, Issue 5, uh, Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, Issue 6, Shuri, Issue 6, As Guardians of the Galaxy, Issue 7, Punisher, Issue 9, and Runaways, Issue 19, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, 42, and Spider-Man and Deadpool, 47, plus some new uh, Adventures of Spider-Man, not new, but old Adventures of Spider-Man looks like a couple of Thor annuals, Captain America annuals from the olden days. So, um, a lot of comics that came out this week. But yeah, those are the ones that I'm reviewing, and uh, I will talk with you guys next week when we see what the new Marvel Unlimited ones are. And that's only going to be in two days. So, for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 